Does having a mental illness make you more creative? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, maestro of madness. And with me, as always, is my stressfully sane co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and diagnosed with a lot of mental illness <laughs> and someone who really believes himself to be just an utter genius, but which is also probably a symptom of the mental illness. Ain't nothing crazy about me, but my brain. Self-diagnosed genius. <laughs> yes. Yeah, diagnosed with mental illness by professionals. From professionally self- diagnosed mental illness. <laughs> self-diagnosed genius. genius. I got to get a t-shirt. This has to go yes. in t-shirts. Self-diagnosed genius. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> I would buy it. I would buy it. <laughs> All right. Um, well, well, today, of course, we are uh, uh, we're doing talking about mental health and uh, creativity. So this is this is a, a good way to start. Um, but first, Nathan, if people enjoy our discussion on this topic and want to see more of our content and engage more with fellow overthinkers, where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and they can send us all of their love and hate mail there. They can also join the online overthinkers group where we have a lot of people like you, thousands, uh, getting into great discussions about all the topics we talk about here and posting tons of memes. So don't miss out. We want you there. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It, it really does help us so very much. I'm trying a different inflection to see if it'll work. To get some <laughs> it really does help us so very much. And if you enjoy it, please share with a friend. Six out of ten. Share with a friend. Share with all of your friends. Share with yes. all of your friends, your family. Share with strangers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only if it's safe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. All right, then. Um, uh, ready to get started? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Mental illness and creativity. Aristotle once said, no great genius has ever existed without a strain of madness. Many people have long suspected that creativity and mental illness are deeply related. The tortured artist or genius who struggles with depression or insanity has long been a staple of trope of Western culture, like a mythosanthropic genius of fictional characters like Sherlock Holmes or the real life artists like Van Gogh, Virginia Woolf, and Robin Williams. To a certain degree, we can expect now, we expect now, deeply creative people to be deeply psychologically troubled. But is this connection true? The BBC future piece, Does Mental Illness Enhance Creativity, found that there is remarkably little good data on the topic. In a review of 25 studies conducted before 1998, 15 found no link, nine did find a link, and five found that it was unclear. And some of these were simply case studies rather than rigorous attempts to establish where there was a causal link. According to the Scientific American, studies conducted with a far larger sample sizes through the new millennium have continued to find that people with mental illness are no more likely to be in creative professions than the average population. Despite this, many maintain the connection is real, finding their anecdotal experiences to be at odds with the research and rightfully pointing out that many people are undiagnosed. Many with mental illness also find comfort in the fact that their affliction might come with some advantages. Even here, researchers are concerned, like those interviewed for the Insider article on the topic fearing that many creative people might avoid getting help for their affliction for fear that it might also take away their creativity. As Edvard Munch, the artist behind the screen painting, who suffered from hallucinations, one of which inspired a painting, wrote in his diary, my fear of life is necessary to me, as is my illness. They're indistinguishable from me and their destruction would destroy my art. So, Nathan, You've often spoken about your experiences as both a creative person, self-diagnosed creative person, and someone who (laughs) struggles with mental illness. Do you believe there is a connection between the two for yourself and people in general? General. General. If so, how so? Okay, well, I have a lot to say on this topic. Well, it's good you have a whole podcast for it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I get to say everything I want. So there's a lot of different angles at which we could approach this a uh, question phenomenon phenomenon this this thing that people say because we, we've all heard it right that mental illness has this advantage of making you more creative uh and you know as you mentioned a lot of the studies i read a few of those as well and it's really i had no idea that this is really kind of an interesting psychological debate that's going on within the sciences right now and i think yeah. it's it's um one of the reasons that i started researching this and i, I suggested doing this episode particularly is 
because yeah, I, I have very severe mental illness. I was, I was diagnosed as a, as a kid and I've lived with it my entire life. And I, you know, one of the things like you mentioned in, in your opening, one of the reasons I wanted to see if it does make you more creative or it helps your creativity in one uh, way, shape, or form or the other is I, I did kind of want to know, is there anything good that comes out of this? Can, can, do I get anything for having to spend my life with this, um, this difficulty, this cross to bear? And, uh, and, and so I read a lot of the data and, you know, and definitely in high hopes that maybe I could, maybe this will be a benefit to me because it's so, because yeah. it's so detrimental in so many other ways in my life. Can it be of benefit in one way? And so the data is really interesting, but I find that it, the way they conduct a lot of these studies isn't, um, isn't exactly, it doesn't fully encompass the question that's being mm. asked, the answers they come to. Because if you ask the question, does, is, does creativity and mental illness have a link? Are, are, is everyone who is in a creative field mentally ill? The, the answer is obviously right, no. Yeah. But I don't know if that's actually the question because that's kind of like saying, is every CEO a uh, have sociopic tendencies? Uh-huh. Well, no, but the best ones do. Hmm. And so what they're not accounting for is the looking at the consistency of not just creative in general, but looking at the tops of creative professions, meaning ah. going through history and looking at the best actors, the best uh, writers, the best inventors, if you want to include that, best musicians, whatever it might be. And so that's where I really think the study needs to be is not so much just in anyone who says I'm creative or even anyone who's in a creative field, but rather who are the people who rise the tops of these fields? Oh, that's really and who are the people who create the art that actually has um, that, that is transcendent, that is the most beautiful, that has the most lasting power. Mm-hmm. And in my, and this is very anecdotal, I did not do any numbers, anything like that, but I did find a higher correlation of mental illness in what we would consider the great artists yeah, sure, yeah. throughout history. Um, and, and a lot of the great thinkers throughout history. <clears throat> and so that was interesting to me because you can't just, you can't just take it from anyone who calls himself creative. Well, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people who are creative or do something creative, but I think that's an important distinction to make. We're not just talking about creative people. We, I think humans are intrinsically creative. I think yeah. creativity is something that is in the heart of every human. I don't care what kind of personality type you are, what culture you came from. I think creativity is there, but I am curious to look at the people who have risen to the top of the creative, let's say, hierarchies and yeah. say, okay, well, the people who've made the most lasting and meaningful and transcendent art is there a correlation here? And from what I found, I do think there is, I have more to say on this topic. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a pretty hot take, but don't worry. I have a follow-up, but just, no, that's, that's really, thoughts? I think it's really interesting. I think that, you know, again, <clears throat> um, Nathan and I are sort of both sort of, you know, we, we, one of our early things of the podcast was talking about podcasts for creative intellectuals. Both of us are sort of creative intellectual types. Is of that people. what he calls it? And so we really enjoy kind of, um, picking apart and looking at subjects like creative subjects and stuff like that and looking at them with data and looking at them with studies and stuff like that. But one of the things you always have to be wary of when you look at studies on something is what question are they asking? Are they asking the question in the right way? You know, Hmm. so, you know, because a lot of times what they do, because it's like, is there a link between creativity and mental illness? Well, how do you make that more concrete so you can actually put it in data? And a lot of times what they do is they say, okay, is there a higher percentage of people with diagnosed mental illness in creative professions like the arts and the sciences than versus the general population? That's sort of uh, how oftentimes those, the studies that say we found no link typically ask the question that way. Now, and so that's, um, but the question is, is that the right way to ask the question? You know, that's a, 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 a that's a, a really open, open question. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, again, per, as a, as the resident neurotypical. Patent pending. Um, I find this fascinating and interesting and, and think about it in the sense that I'm interested in kind of why we see the link between them and, and the conceptual link and, um, why it makes sense. And part of the reason I think it makes sense to people, because again, there's a lot of things that are true that become that that don't capture the popular imagination. You know, mm. and but this, regardless of if it's true, has really captured the popular imagination that there is good point, you know, among people who are mentally ill and people who are not mentally ill. We're captured captivated by Sherlock Holmes, Monk, you know, the you know, the you know, Steve Jobs, you know, all of these people is like oh uh, Vincent Van Gogh, people who are, you know, really 
geniuses, but also have this dark side of a, a personal affliction. And um, and I think part of it is that it makes intuitive sense because both creative people and people with mental illness think differently than other people. You know, the most obvious things they the thing they have in common is they think differently. The main difference conceptually for most people is that for one, um, the benefits seem to be net positive, <laughs> and the other, the benefits seem to be net negative. And so for most people, there's not a lot of um, conceptual difference between the two beyond uh, that. Um, and so I think that it makes sense to a lot of people. And I think there is a romance to it of like, you know, with, as Monk in the, you know, the OCD detective always said, you know, he said his, his, his abilities were a blessing and a curse. There is something that makes sense in life that most things in life tend to be both blesses and curses. Like the economists will always say all of life is trade-offs. Um, and so it makes intuitive sense. And again, most people we had, you know, we, we ha I asked this question, you know, in the Facebook today and, and one of our, our friends, in the podcast, uh, Raymond, who we did a show on neurodivergency with, he pointed out, was like, most people I know who are really creative also have some kind of mental illness. And so like, there's an anecdotal experience of this that we all, that a lot of us share and so you kind of wonder what the data is missing between our anecdotal experience, what makes intuitive sense to us and um, uh, why, and why the data doesn't seem to reflect that. Is it the way that the question yeah. is, it's they're asking the wrong question in the wrong way? Is it that what we're experiencing is slightly different than the question we think we're answering? And I have certain ideas on that based on other things that I've read and experiences I've had, but I want to throw it back to you since we both sort of did our intro kind of uh responses yeah. to this well i think you nailed it on um the head that the the correlation if there is one between uh i'd say high creativity or yeah. you know the greatest creativity and mental illness isn't necessarily the mental illness so i want to say this plainly so i'm open yeah. here you don't have to be mentally ill to create good art yeah that, so i know it sounded like i say that at the, at the beginning you do not have to be but joseph finished my sentence by saying <laughs> that what the reason very often, in my opinion, and this makes intuitive sense to me, that we see a high correlation of mentally ill people with our favorite art and our yeah. favorite artists is because they are forced to see the world differently. Yeah. Mental illness causes them to envision, experience, and interact with the world differently, which will create um, more creative, outside-the-box yeah. art. Now, that being said, so mental illness does that for me. So yeah. I, I have found that, yes, it is very difficult for me to deal with my mental illness, but it also causes me to see and interact and touch the world differently, which has a deep effect on my art, how I create it, my process. And that's a good thing. But it's not the mental illness necessarily. Yeah. It's the perspective on life, the, the way I think the way I see the world that makes my art and I, I, you could disagree if you've seen it and be like, that's really bad, <laughs> but that makes my art different or gives me my artistic yeah. voice. That being said, another thing that we see commonly in um, high art, the, the very successful, long lasting yeah. uh, pieces of art that have really meant something to a lot of people over a long period of time is people with difficult backgrounds. Look at Charles Dickens. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people who've experienced deep, trauma, deep yeah. hurts, deep loss through life. All of those things, trauma, loss, and hurt, that also makes you look at life differently. You yeah. can talk to many, many people who have had a loved one die, and they will say it changed the way I saw life. Yeah. And with that vision, all of a sudden, they, you, I, I would imagine that would correlate to yeah. changing how they process things their methodology for creating things and how that affects their creativity so it's not the mental illness that's the magic touch it's the perspective shift because i think yeah that there are different ways to see the world differently for me my mental illness makes me see the world differently but i also have noticed that people who have gone through a lot in life yeah they look at the world differently as well so it's not just mental illness it's what is the perspective through which people are creating and how does it affect their creativity so i think that can happen in a myriad of different ways i think mental illness is just a very common one we see yeah. well i mean that's an excellent point because another thing you see is a lot of the best um you know people who um like were doing early films uh of the early hollywood days were like jewish immigrants and again, mm. that's another thing. It's like, it's a, it's different perspective because it's a literally a different culture. 
and a minority yeah. culture within the culture. And so that enabled them to and actually- And the difficulty of assimilating of, and coming to a new country and the prejudice you'd experience, that would change how you saw the world. Exactly. And so it really is being able to see things in a different way than other people do. So you can actually have a perspective that adds to the perspective that other people are able to bring. And so I would say people who are thinking about creativity and their creativity, that's sort of the thing to lean into is like, what is the perspective that you have or can have and bring to the table that other people that adds value to other people's lives? The other yes. thing about this that I think is really interesting, again, in, you know, the different things that I, I've seen read and my own experiences is that creative people tend to have a, um, oh, was it? I want to say this, make sure I'm saying this correctly, but also like not super like technically is that um, have a lower, they have less ability to filter out the, um, their experiences uh, yeah. of the world. So they have an openness to experience is one way people talk about it. Um, mm. But it's that they don't can't, a lot of us, we have our, in our brains, you know, the prefrontal cortex basically says, okay, this is the information I need, and this is how I'm going to filter it. But a lot of people, the really creative people, they don't shut that off. And so life comes at them and they absorb it and they experience it. They experience all of it and they can't shut it off. And that then they make all those connections you know, even when they're trying to focus on other things, again, this is sort of the ADHD thing, even they're trying to focus on yeah. other things, they're just making all these connections and they can't help it. You know, Dorothy Sayers talks about this in her uh, work, uh, Toward a Christian Aesthetic. <clears throat> a lot of these articles that talk about link between um, mental illness and creativity talk about this, that that's something the people who that side of their brain that takes in information and makes connections, even when they don't want it to want to focus on something else is something that's common in creative people. It's also common in people with, who, according to, um, who was it? Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's a neurobiologist at Stanford university. He talks about that is also something in common with people who struggle with anxiety and depression is again, mm. their feelings control their thoughts rather than their thoughts controlling their feelings. So a certain degree that And here's the really interesting thing that a lot of these <clears throat> articles talk about, particularly the Scientific American article by um, Scott Barry Kaufman, is the real big link that they've actually found between people in creative professions and uh, like the arts and uh, the sciences and um, a certain demographic of people. There is one that they have found. And I don't know if you in your research you found this, but remind the, me, it's. And you'll you you'll get a big kick out of this. It's siblings of mentally ill people. <laughs> wow. Okay, I have so much to say on this. Okay, yeah. not, <laughs> that sounds bad. I'm not spilling any tea on my siblings, <laughs> but I, this goes right in line with the thought I was having. So finish. Yeah, no, I can't saying, wait. Which is, so it's like, and what they found is again that there there is that siblings of mentally ill have seem like they have the brain that works a bit differently, and so like has that lower filter on you know on their experiences of the world without some of the sort of drawbacks of the diagnosed mental illness so it was funny reading those things and then saying that there's no connection between mental illness and creativity except the siblings of mentally ill people tend to be more creative than the average population and so it's like yes so it really does seem That's to be really there is something in the brain that makes you more creative or not and the difference is whether or not it slides into an area where it's more hurtful to you than helpful. In fact, you can make the argument that if people who had mental illness were held back by their mental illness, they would be disproportionately represented even more so in these creative fields. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I love you. Now back to our show. That's interesting. So, huh. So I, I want to go with uh, a, a quote real quick, and it's one I probably get Love wrong, those. so you can correct me, but it's one you know. <laughs> I might so not Madeline know. Lingle, no, no, you will. Okay. Madeline Lingle talks about art being the process of bringing- um, Order out uh, of chaos, uh, yes. Yes, order out of chaos. Yes. The people who I know are most inclined to engage in art and creativity mm. are not doing it as a hobby. They are trying to find a way to bring the, or to bring- order to the chaos they've experienced in their lives. Yeah. And so for me, as a young kid with uh, mental illness, that was a way art, be it writing, be it acting, be it uh, anything, music, 
Yeah. That was a way for me to understand and bring order to the chaos I was experiencing. So this goes back to what I said. It's not just mental illness. For yeah. me, it's anyone who experiences chaos and finds that art or creativity is the only way, or at least one of the only ways to start processing and bringing order into that chaos. Yeah. Chaos control. So I think that, I think that to me is an interesting thing. So it's not necessarily mental illness. It's the, the best art is created by people who are experiencing chaos yeah. and try to bring order to that. And so that's what I would also look at. Look at the artwork. I mean, there are a few, a few yeah. exceptions like Mozart and such, but um, look at the, like, you know, let's take a film student, right? Yeah. First year film student, look <laughs> at the, the film they make when they're young, right? Yeah. Right in, in film school. And then look at the film they make when they're 40 years old mm. and you will see a totally different perspective on life. You will yeah. see someone who is seasoned. You will see someone who brings their experience and their difficulty and pain and redemption into it. Because by 40, you've experienced, most of us have experienced a lot of chaos. Yeah. And um, probably more so than most 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. And yeah. so the art is going to be less about trying to bring order to that chaos that we've experienced through the, the difficulty and pain and yeah. fracture of life. But at 40, you'll be so much, you'll have experienced so much more chaos that you will be getting more, um, how do I say this, uh, practice yeah. uh, and need after those 20 years of trying to yeah. bring order to your chaos. So again, for me, it goes back to, yeah. it's not about the mental illness. Yeah. It's about the reason why people do it. And it's about the perspective yeah. that they have on life and they bring Seeing to Seeing the world art. differently. Yeah. And mental illness is one way that people are forced to see the world differently. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I have noticed sense. the, and I, I hesitate, hesitate to say this because I, I really believe that everyone experiences difficulty and pain and loss in this world. But I will say the art that I find mm. very often the most trite or um or the least complete are the people who haven't experienced uh in one way shape form or another yeah. um chaos as at least yeah. to the degree that other people have yeah um and so that, that's just an interesting intuitive uh, yeah. source of data right there for me sure, but yeah absolutely. i also i also want to talk about what are the dangers because yeah. we haven't done that of kind of idealizing yeah. uh, mental illness. And I, and I see this a lot right, right now on TikTok. It's a huge thing. You see kids everywhere identifying and trying to find a mental illness. Why well, I, I think I might be OCD. I, I think yeah. I have depression. I think I have anxiety. And I'm not, I know a lot of kids actually do have these right. things, but I do think there's a culture that is celebrating the, mm -hmm. uh, maybe the genius creativity connection yeah. there. And so of course, a lot of kids are gonna, well, I wanna be considered genius. I wanna yeah. be considered special or unique or even better in a yeah. way. Um, so I need to find a way that I that I am mentally ill or whatever. So I, I, what are some of the dangers that you see yeah. in culture celebrating mental illness <laughs> alongside creativity? Well, this is really, this is really good. Well, that, it's funny because you, uh, just as a, a slight detour, a lot of the stuff you're saying is like stuff that I I relate to. Because again, like, you know, people may not realize this while I'm doing this, but I'm technically sort of like on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an F. I'm a feeler first, you know, before I'm a thinker. But a lot of sort of what I did with my thinking was an attempt to like, okay, I've got a lot of emotions that are very difficult for me to navigate. How do I actually... Mm -hmm find a way to process and portray and share those um, and 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 express those things to other people in a way that they can understand me. And so like, that's something I really relate to a lot, but that gets to the other part of it. You know, I'm still, you know, not, I can say that, but I'm still not technically diagnosed mentally ill. And so there, so no, but nobody cares, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, sure. You didn't really overcome that much, at least not compared to other people. And of course, mm. when you're in pain, you know, the one thing that makes you feel better is I overcame a lot, you know? Yeah. And there is this romance of people like people are in pain. And again, depression and anxiety are on the rise, you know, yes. and, we, and that's something we've talked about a lot as people are like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling anxious and depressed and I don't know why. And so, you know, and, and, and they have, for whatever reason, a lot of traditional authority figures, whether they're parents or whether the doctor or things like that, they don't feel comfortable talking to them about these things. And so a lot of them are turning to the internet and mm. the, it becomes a sort of a personality test, like a, an Enneagram where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing these symptoms and the um 
and the uh, and this person says, oh, these symptoms are sometimes a symptom of this, you know, then uh, this is what I have. And then when they do that, they can then be part of a community who then affirms yeah. them. And so it's like, again, the pain that they're feeling can be shadowed and cared for through sympathy and through affirming. Yes. And then any any small way that they triumph over that then becomes something you can feel proud of. You know, again, getting out of bed in the morning, you can feel proud of that. Even if you accomplish nothing, you got out of bed and people will affirm you. And yeah. the danger of that, of course, here's the thing. <laughs> it's good if you do have a, a mental problem to get that diagnosed, so you can actually solve the problem and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, or you can at least not, if you can't solve the problem, if you're going to leave the rest of your life, you at least know the steps that you can treat it and work around it. <laughs> but the problem is, again, there are two problems. You alluded to them. <clears throat> One is the fact that... Um, if this, if if having that um, that diagnosis gives you a community, um, and it gives you affirmation, then you may not want to get better, and that means that you won't be able. I mean, there's a lot of people they start actually to exhibit more symptoms once they get those diagnoses, mm. and they actually actively try not to get better so that they can, um, you know, so they can continue being part of that community. And you know, people are getting lots of followers on tiktok because they are ill you know it's like they suddenly those people who love them aren't going to love them anymore once they're no longer ill the other thing about it, of course is you get mixed diagnosed and then you're able to because again we project stuff that we want to onto things i mean your joke is that you know every girl i've ever met is an enneagram four you know <laughs> self-described yes self-described well self-described that's good because you're self-diagnosing it um, so things you may not want to get better. You may sell of diagnosis because you're not having a, somebody who's actually prepared in that to do that. And the thing is, people are trying to make themselves worse because they think that makes them more special. If we and that that's the kind of thing is creativity is good. Maybe not everyone is supposed to be creative. One of the things and maybe it's not the highest good. Highest good either. <laughs> yeah. I, I so just to jump yeah, in here real yeah, quick because yeah, this is really interesting. This is my hot take, which would be, to me, if someone said, it, 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 if someone exhibited um, actions or, or, or yeah. behavior that said they don't want to get better because yeah. that would mean they're less creative, I would doubt the severity of their difficulty in the mm. first place. And you can talk to my wife who has to live with a mentally ill person. She is she has seen me at my darkest, my lowest, and. I, I promise you, mm. um, I love a creative life. I love being highly creative. I would give it all up in a second if I could make my mental illness go away. And so to me, it, that that seems that that's almost evidence to me that many mm. people aren't either mentally ill or at least as severe as they would say mm. if they would keep it so they can be creative. Um, to me, I, I don't know a person, like a, a, a truly devastatingly ill, mentally ill person who wouldn't give it up for almost anything. Mm. And um, I would rather write shallow books and make silly movies um, and live my life without the curse of mental illness. Uh, any any day of the week, I would take that yeah. over writing, or, you know, being some great artist. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, w would I like a trade-off that I get to make a great piece of art? Yeah. Sure, of course. I would, I would like to know that something came from this. <laughs> But in a second, I would trade it. And that that to me is is, is interesting. And it I also does get a little frustrating when I see that people are wearing mental illness. Uh, it's almost like they're appropriating. Uh, appropri yeah. Appropriating in a <laughs> yeah. way as a costume to give their art the aesthetic of depth. Yeah. And um, that it was rooted from pain. And I think one of the reasons we're so attracted to this is because we're narrative driven people. Yeah. And we, if we see something painful, it's a great juxtaposition to see something beautiful yeah. come out of that pain. Yeah. Um, so I understand why people, why we respond to this, why, why this is a thing. Yeah. But I will say, if you are someone who always prefer health, health and wholeness and goodness, really, uh, to me, is the highest, is the highest, the, the highest thing you can be attaining, not for some, you know, people on, on Twitter or Amazon yeah. reviews to say, wow, he's so creative. Well, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think, I mean, I think that that's, <clears throat> it's interesting because we live in an age, not every age has prized creativity over all the things. I mean, again, you ah. notice, <clears throat> I mean, you again, you, you see almost every movie about people who, um, 
you know, uh, who who are creative, are all re- all have fathers who say, no, don't do that because it's more mm. important to be responsible and adult and things like that. Most say like, no, the most important thing is to love God and love your family and be a benefit to your community. Yes. And that's what the meaning of life is. Now, if you can be creative and do that, that's great. But the they knew that the meaning of life was something else. And so yeah. we have created, I'll say, you know, uh, one of the movies that does play into that trope is Dead Poet Society. Is the kid who can't. <laughs> I brought all it in. I brought it in. My... Who don't know? Who are maybe new listeners? Uh, Dead Poet Society is Joseph's just punching bag for whatever <laughs> reason. That, that this is a running just Joseph will take any opportunity he can to um, punch and just beat up uh, Dead Poet Society. But tell us why, Joseph. But yeah, well, I mean, I mean, beyond the fact that it has Robin Williams in a, a movie that is m- as mediocre as they come, but yeah. the is the fact that you have again. The kid who can't be in theater because his dad won't let him, he kills himself because there's no mm. meaning in life if he can't be an artist and a creative. <clears throat> and that's not true. And the thing is, that's why I tell people is that, look, we're, Nathan and I are both Christians. And so we have a sort of a, a an idea that um, the brokenness of the world is not always going to be this way. The arc of the world is, yeah. is you know creation fall rest um redemption and the restoration and the, we're working towards a restoration of the world and that means you know a world where things are going to be restored and so one of the things i, I would say is that you know um your, your mental illness if you have it is not a permanent part of your identity now you know brains that work differently from each other sure you know so neurodiversity yes. neurodiversity sure but mental illness something that's <clears throat> that's not a permanent part of your identity that is something that you um uh, should strive for healing from and it's not going to make you less valuable it's probably not yes. going to make you even it, it may not even make you less creative because again we have that whole thing of like this brains that are more receptive are more creative but not necessarily brains that are mentally ill so like you may just if you're healed have that still that same receptive brain so you may not be even really less creative but you certainly will not be any less valuable <clears throat> no. and if you do want to be more creative if you're if you are a you know, neurotypical like myself, you can actually engage in practices to be more creative. Like you can like figure out how do I open myself up to experience more? How can I do things like that? That's, that could be a practice you do. You don't have to desire brokenness in order Mm. to have something. You are a valuable human being. If, even if you only ever do the things that human beings have always done, because yes, being a human being and doing all those old things is also valuable. Yeah, we Joseph and I believe you're intrinsically valuable. Period. Because yeah. you're human, you are valuable. That's just from our philosophy and our worldview. Um, but I think it's a really healthy one to adopt. Then you, I think it'll help you help us stop looking for things to make us valuable hmm. that might lead us into places that we ought not be. That actually could be detrimental to us. Um, if you if you start at the outset believing you're valuable, you're not going to have to either put on or even revel in your yeah. own mental illness or brokenness or hard past but i will also encourage anyone who is struggling with mental illness out there anyone who has a really difficult broken maybe even traumatic past that creativity is a wonderful way to start that process of healing but it is a trajectory you want to move towards healing that is a better way to live and here's the thing I love Robin Williams. I love Chester Bennington. I love so many people who have succumbed to their mental illness. Mm. I would rather mm-hmm. not have their movies and still have them around. Wow. And I think that and I think that's a better way to think about life. So yes. Well, you, you just made me cheer up. That's that's a really <laughs> well, well well said. Well said. Well, I think they are more valuable than their art. Yeah. And I think that is how the world should be. And by the way, like we pointed out, yes, there's a correlation between mental illness, between trauma, perhaps, you know, that's, that's my own data, um, but it feels intuitively true. But I I actually believe no matter what, we all have unique perspectives on life and making yourself a more open person, like Joseph said, make leaning into your own unique perspective, not having to um, follow a mold that society or family or or whatever it has, has given you um, that can, that in and of itself can make you a more creative person, make better art. But ultimately the goal is is health is wholeness that's what we should be striving for and i think that's the most beautiful thing and really for mentally ill people and other kinds of people who have have brokenness art is a way is a a bridge to that it's not the end yes and it should be the art is simply 
a conduit towards health that they utilize. Yeah. It is for me, art is how I it's catharsis, it's healing. Yeah. But ultimately my goal isn't just I want to make great art. My goal as someone who is mentally ill and uses that is to cross use art to help me cross a bridge towards health. And yeah. that's what I would like the perspective yeah. to be. So yes, to answer the question, I think there is a correlation between yeah. mental illness and um and and great art. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, I think that what we should really be idolizing is the wrong word, but the, the goal we should celebrating be celebrating is health and yeah. wellness. Elevating, Thanks. let's say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Yep. I totally agree. Yeah. Whatever the correlation is, I think we're not quite clear on what it is yet. Sort of as a, as a science, as a society, there does seem to be one. But yeah, what is great about great art in the first place is that it is part of redeeming and restoring health yes. to the world. And so Bringing that order out of chaos exactly and so that's what we should be striving for wherever we start from um yes so. awesome Amen. cool oh i love these i love these we're just gonna hopefully, roll. <laughs> hopefully not everyone's just really angry with us i actually get over that, that, that wouldn't be new this wouldn't be the first time yeah, <laughs> so yeah we're, we're used to it that's uh, fine but we would love to hear all your replies yes. if you think we missed something if you think we um, it, it, we didn't talk about something correctly. Yeah. If you if you think we're wrong, please write us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, go to the overthinkersjournal.com, overthinkersjournal. I can use, an, I can enunciate. I took acting Mispronouncing class. words is my job on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's special and valuable. <laughs> exactly. If I don't, who am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh yes. yeah, but so yeah. we, we want to hear your feedback. So absolutely write in. But Joseph, where are we headed next? We What's are the here next segment? for the blesses and curses. The segment that I want to say is everybody's favorite segment, but according to our analytics, it might not be. Um, but it's but, our favorite. But it's so our favorite. Yes. If so you just, stuck around, you are one of the special ones. Exactly. Yes. You're more you important are than other more people. valuable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same page. I'm really glad exactly. about this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. So yes, blesses and curses, where we take a piece, a work of art, media, or resource that we want to bless say that you know it's you should you should go into this area or a place of um yeah a curse say stay away from this this does not it's not good stuff um so nathan i know if what what are you you definitely have opinions and topics we've talked about this topic a little while what's uh what's um what, what are some of the ones you have for us okay well you know i we have at this point after like a hundred and odd episodes <laughs> i'm going I need to I need to read more books and watch more movies because I'm running out of blessings and curses. But I I'm gonna bless him. I don't think I've blessed it before because, like we said, I could go for Monk. I love Monk. It yeah. really does show someone who utilizes the difficulty in their life and the mental illness in their life um, for good, and he brings order to the world again. Um, and and you also know, shows of... what it takes to, to like community around him takes for him to be able to do that. You know, it's really exactly. beautiful. That way. Yeah. Yes, and no one is less or more valuable. Yes. on the show because of their mental illness or lack thereof um, or even their genius and their lack yeah. thereof yeah. they are all they play a part and that are are valuable to the show and the narrative um so so i was thinking through you know this really is a trope the mentally ill detective and it's yes. really a trope i love so, <laughs> so i'm gonna bless one i haven't blessed because i think i've blessed a lot of them but there's a show called perception hmm. and um the, the reason I know this show, and yes, I'm uh, about to drop a little Hollywood anecdote, okay. is because I got to be in this show. It's, it's about a detective what? who who struggles with um, uh, with uh, uh, schizophrenia. Yeah, and so he sees things that aren't there. He talks to people who aren't there. But again, like Monk, he uses his disability, his mental illness, to help him bring order to the world around him, yeah. bring justice to uh, to the the injustice he sees. He he solves murders, and so one is just really fun. Like I love the yeah. acting, love the characters. It's a, if you want to show with a lot of episodes, you want to binge a few seasons, please tr check this out. Um, it's a, it's really great. But yes, I got to be in an episode, ironically enough, um, as a crazy person. So there's an episode where he goes to an insane asylum. He checks himself in as a insane asylum and installs a murder there. I'm one of the crazy people in his um in his crazy person support group and it's really funny how i got the role because i literally they sent up the the casting like we need people to act like crazy people and i responded like i can act like a crazy person so i went into the studio and they're like and they had like five of us there and the director comes out 
And I was really excited because he was a director for Smallville. But so oh, he comes out man. and he's standing there and goes, all right, everybody, give me your best crazy. And we just had to be like the most extreme, <laughs> quote, you know, mentally ill people. I'm sure it would probably be incredibly offensive now. And it probably was then too. <laughs> yeah. um, but they, they take it seriously. They want us to really act uh, and, and understand the role of people who experience um, mental illness. But it was a really fun weird audition that just five people were doing insane asylum people yeah. kind of things all in a room that and is it was like all right great you're all hired so uh the next thing you know i got to do it so that it was a blast so if you spot me which episode what, is it i'm not going to tell anyone because okay. i want them to spot me <laughs> it's more fun okay. every now and again i will get some because it's not like a hugely known show yeah so it's like a really every now and people like is that you <laughs> like an insane person in just just you on a tuesday yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like that sure is i love getting those screenshots so if you see me please uh you know you'll get 10 points 10 overthinkers points and you <laughs> there can there you go which you can redeem your, for something at your closest overthinkers <laughs> store yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> whoa this is worthless it's less than worthless, my boy. By the way, if you'd I, like there to be an overthinker store, somebody please invest in us. <laughs> yeah, we will fill it with something. Yeah. Uh, our, our thoughts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I bless Perception. Really fun show. If you just need something to binge, I highly recommend. Um, nice. I'm also going to bless a resource. Uh, I forget, mm. we always say re- resource and I, I rarely do. Almost but, never do, um, yeah. It's a company that was started by uh, a really great guy I know, and unfortunately, mental illness took him from mm. us a few years ago, but he was a, a really um, beloved pastor, and uh, the, the company is called uh, Anthem of Hope, and mm. um, it's, a, it's a company that is, that is carried on by his wife, and it's dedicated to helping those um, with brokenness, depression, anxiety, self-harm, addiction, suicide, mm. um, and from a faith-based perspective, it's loving and accepting um, in a really great place. And so if you are or know someone who's dealing with something, please check out Anthem of Hope. Um, it was started by um, someone who dealt with the same things that mm-hmm. um, that you might be dealing with. So it's a really great organization. So please check it out. Um, as far as curse, <laughs> should I curse an organization? Yes. <laughs> I don't have any organizations to curse, but I will curse. Ah. And I, I'm cursing something without having read it. And and I keep on almost reading it, but like, I'll read the first page. Like, I can't, I cannot do this. And listen, I know this is a beloved book and people love this, but I think it has been more detrimental to society, especially mm. young men than it has been of benefit as one of the great pieces of literature in American history. Catcher in the Rye. Mm. I'm sorry. But the way people talk about this, it glorifies and romanticizes mental illness to a degree where I think, um, it doesn't it's not honest about the destruction and it really basically says you're kind of special and cool and interesting if you have mental illness and that's just not true you are no you are no cooler or special or more interesting because your mental illness um and i think this book i'm sorry i can't get past the first three pages so i'm blindly cursing it and if i'm really wrong and i really need to read it i can press through let me know in the comments or send us a message but i'm cursing mostly what i've seen it do to a lot of young men who start after reading this book. And I'm sure there are more up-to-date yeah. versions of this phenomenon, phenomenon. but idealizing, romanticizing um, brokenness and mental illness. And I think that's a bad thing. Um, and actually there are were people who actually uh, succumbed to suicide after having read this book. And I think wow. that should show you, I don't know, that it's a entirely positive, uh, something to engage with. Somebody, um, C.S. Lewis, I say somebody, C.S. Lewis said this um, in his book, Experiment and Criticism. And I'm not sure he's always right about this, but one of the things he said was, um, if you want to know, one of the ways that I judge a book is by its fans. Mm, um, that's interesting. Um, and I think that there's there's something to that. Um, yes, that it's, it's, it's not the sum total of everything, but there's something to that. Okay. Absolutely. I will... Try to keep this short, as I always say I do and never do. Um, I'm going to uh, bless um, the something that has just come into the public domain, but is the complete works of Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, and I'm blessing it because I I have I haven't read all of them, but I've read a lot of them, and it's just this is one of those early works where you where where somebody was actually trying to portray 
you know, a troubled genius. And again, like a lot of our versions of troubled geniuses today are based on this, like House was based on the Sherlock Holmes novels and stuff like that. But the idea of having empathy for someone who thinks differently, because a lot of it, again, it's from the perspective of Dr. Watson, who is dealing with somebody who is a genius, but clearly troubled. And the early works especially is about Dr. Watson not knowing quite how to love this person and help this person. Mm. Like the Like the second book, is about Dr. Watson trying to convince him to stop taking drugs. I mean, which he's doing because he's to do to quiet his mind, yeah. you know? And so, um, so like the sign of four, if you just want to do one, you could bless the sign of four. But I mean, like the whole collected works of Sherlock Holmes, I want to bless because it is, even before they were able to diagnose people in this way, this was an artist trying to talk about that because it was based on his relationship with his former boss and so yeah i think that looking at it through that lens that very empathetic lens i think is very good so the sign of four but also just the completed works which are now all in the public domain so i can't wait to see all of the you know really bad you know attempts at like remakes by random people oh i can't <laughs> wait the freshman film student exactly, year version yes. of um, uh, but i'll also add i have liked every iteration of sherlock oh I mean, yeah I, I like the old tv adaptation or movie adaptation yeah. I like the old one yeah, I like Rathbone the, ones. Yeah, the, the yes, the, I like the Robert Downey Jr. I yeah. like Cumberbatch. This character is so well fleshed out and yeah. written that it's almost hard to make a bad iteration of him in in film that's form, a, which is it really point. says something. That's an excellent point. Yeah, I can't think of one that's bad. Like there are ones I like better than the other others. But sure, like, there's no like bad version that yeah. I've seen. Yeah, very good point. Okay, and now I'm gonna curse. This is might me. Going back into my other hobby horse, which is my irrational hatred for um, Darren Aronofsky films, um, but <laughs> but also Joseph defensible. hates yes. today. All right, yes, exactly. Yeah, you're learning a lot about me today. Um, but is you notice um, me and actors staying real quiet? About, yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The he's still living another, in casting, so uh... freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, is a black swan and. I, oh, interesting. And the reason, I, again, I, I didn't watch it when it first came out. I watched it later on. And what I find, I, I don't find it particularly, because it's basically trying to talk about the the links between, you know, creativity, triggering true art and madness. And the, and it's about mm. a woman who does um basically drive herself mad so that she can create great art. And yes. Um, and, you know, it to a certain degree, it's a cautionary tale. You know, so I'm not like saying it's promoting it exactly, but it does do this link that says that, look, in order to it, because it works, she does. Yeah. The only way she is able to create great art is to drive herself mad. And so it does perpetuate that link that the only way you will be able to do this is to destroy yourself. The only way. It's not. Yes. Yeah. It's, and it's not in a trajectory towards health. Exactly. The end all be all is the piece of art. Right. And and um it's and the thing is also i don't think it's terribly insightful it's very shock and awe like it does all the things where it's like oh and then the girls kiss each other and then did did this really happen or did it not and then I, she rips off her face or you her think face, crazy it's, thing. Like, it's got it's like it's like it's does a lot of film shock things but it's nothing that's actually terribly insightful to the question that it's asked, yes. asking i think and so um, I think it's I think it's shallow in its depiction of what it's trying to depict, and I think it's what it's trying to depict is kind of harmful. So that's why I well, and would, it's a yeah, go ahead. It's a perfect example of what we we're talking about. How and and I'll say this: quote me that art is a means to an ends, and yes. and a lot of stuff in our modern culture, especially this movie, believes Ooh. that art is the end. And mm. I, I don't, I just don't think because when art is a means to an end, that means you're still the valuable yeah. subject. That art can be used. To heal you, to yeah. redeem you, to or heal you, and help other people, you know exactly. Yeah, but this says you are less valuable than the end piece of art. So even if someone dies, yes, I, I, I don't want to give you spoilers. I think she died. I can't remember. <laughs> um, that, that, but it was worth it that she died because a piece of art was made, right. and that is, at least in my philosophy and vision, wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. And again, people will argue. Well, it's no, not actually promoting that, but it's like, yeah, it kind of is though. Yeah. Um, really <laughs> <is>. <laughs> um, so, all right, cool. Well, that was really, that's really good. I had a blast with this discussion. So hopefully, other people enjoy it too. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we had fun. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, um, 
So Nathan, if people want to get in touch with us or get in touch with you about uh, this topic or any other topic, um, I want to see the the great the great art that you your damaged person has come uh, created. Where can they go? Well, if they want to see the art that has resulted out of my mental illness, I'm actually going to suggest two places um, to just engage. One is a hopeful resource. Uh, they're both hopeful resources, but uh, I wrote a book with my mom called Different. It's about mm. my journey as a kid growing up with mental illness. And so if you have a kid or a loved one who has mental illness and you are searching for ways to love them, support them, help them, uh, please check it out. I, you know, it, it's a really meaningful book to me because it's my story. And uh, thus far, it's really connected with a lot of other people's stories. So please check out the book Different. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. I also recently made a film called Don't Know Jack. It's on Tubi. It's about to be on Apple TV. Um, nice. And it, it deals with these issues of um, mental mental health and and, and uh, redemption and hope and brokenness and trauma and I want to do it in a way that it offers people hope at least a place to explore these mm. um, with another voice talking back uh, that that can offer truth and so uh, yeah check out check out don't know Jack uh, aptly named by our producer Nathan by the way yes. so <laughs> it was so funny because it just too. randomly it was like you were talking about it so I haven't figured out the title he just randomly says a name and he's like you should like, do this and I said. Stealing that. <laughs> yes. I'm so smart it hurts. So check out those. Also, if you want to get in touch with me, go to my website at nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. I just thought that that's, that's an example of your openness to experience because it's true exactly <laughs> i'm very open <laughs> um yes all right if you want to get in touch with uh, uh me you can um find me uh, on any of the socials also um my website josephholmstudios.com and of course you can find me uh ripping apart uh all of the things from a faith-based perspective uh at my um regular column at religion unplugged if you weren't um, mad enough here at him, yes. the things he said, find more reasons to be mad at him more. as he as he rips apart your favorite movies. Exactly. And by the way, I get the emails from people angry <laughs> at you for writing a review. So you know what? Start writing to him. It's, I have to forward Joseph the emails <laughs> from angry people at his reviews. Yeah, exactly. So to come talk to me. Uh, as long as I'm, it's the attention is centered on me. That's that's what matters. Um, yes, well, anyway, exactly. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you everybody for listening. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Thank you.